Doctor, would you mind introducing yourself for the audience, please? Yes, absolutely. Um, my name's Tim, Tim Benson. I am an oil painter. Um, I specialise in portraits, but I wouldn't call myself a portrait painter per se. I paint anything. Um, I have been doing this since I left art school back in 2001, so quite a long time now. Um, I am the ex-president of the Royal Institute of Oil Painters. I think that's right. Um, the, I'm a member of the Royal Society of Portrait Painters and the New English Art Club. Um, yeah, that's sort of me in a nutshell, I suppose. Right, cool. Um, I was looking for your Instagram beforehand and I thought this would be an interesting thing to, to start off with. You said something, so you, you post your portraits and they get loads of likes and loads of engagement. You post a landscape and it's kind of sort of tumbleweed a little bit. Yeah. No, no, it's interesting. I'm I'm a landscape painter. People mainly know me for my landscapes. And whenever I paint a still life, uh, post a still life painting, I get the same kind of tumbleweed thing. How, how much do you think sort of the algorithmic thing mm -hmm. now relates to artistic identity? What we put out and the recognisability of an artist, do you think it affects it in some way? Um, well, listen. It's. I mean, it's. It's difficult to quantify, isn't it? Um, mm. I don't. I don't have access to the, um, the the machinery that determines the algorithms. Um, and even if I did, I probably wouldn't understand it. Um, but all I can say, and is, is that I can speak from personal experience and say that certainly across the board. Um, I don't know exactly when it was that it changed, but certainly I used to get a lot more. Um, a lot more oxygen, a lot more interaction with all of my posts, both portraits and uh, and landscapes, than I do now. Um, but I still get more um, more interaction for my for my portrait work. Now I can only discern that that's something to do with the painting of the human form um, and something some you know pseudo intelligent bot picking up on that and saying, well, that that painting, that's a person, that's a person. People like people. Uh, will show that, uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, a landscape which which doesn't do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that it's undeniable that what you put out there is um, is certainly picked up on and treated in, um, in a different way to something else. Mm, that's interesting. Um, do you find yourself, um, what you create being nowadays sort of tailored to a social media audience, is it part of the thing, or you just carry on doing what you're doing? I yeah, I'm I'm sort of basically, you know, just sort of blindly carrying on with what I'm doing. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not. Listen, I was around before social media. You were around before social media. I'm not going to be dictated <laughs> to by um, a series of bots in Silicon Valley. All right. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just not going to cut it. I won't be happy, um, and the work would be rubbish. It would just, it would just, for me yeah. personally, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So no, uh, I'm carrying on regardless. And listen, I'm not, you know, I'm not complaining. Um, at the end of the day, I'm in a, you know, I'm in a good position um, in terms of you know where I am, what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's all relative. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. But you know, I do, I still get a platform um, to show my work, and people still do interact with it. And I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to sort of, 
you know, reinvent the wheel to try and create some sort of, you know, fictitious panacea whereby I paint something that Instagram ratifies and, and mm. puts up there. That's just not, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I think what nowadays, what is interesting about uh, Instagram and about the development of um, art in many ways since modernism, where you know, figurative art in, in the late 20th century was sort of seen as uncool or whatever. But but nowadays, and especially with the internet and social media, that um, many different forms of art can coexist in many ways. It's it's postmodern in that sense that you, you have um, all of those different strands and people can find or engage with what they're interested in. And it is in, in many ways a little sort of renaissance, I think, for, for visual arts, yeah. the internet, but definitely. I mean yeah. I, th I think that it is sorry to jump in. I mean I think no, that, no, absolutely. certainly, you know, social media for all its for all its negative points, it is a democratizing um mm democratizing platform it allows people who wouldn't otherwise have um, a pedestal a platform to show their work because of you know, social trends or you know mm. you know the, the, the sort of nuances of the art world to actually do that and for people you know sort of to come in and see it and to and to, and to find it which I think is is fantastic um, what I don't and, and a little bit more worried about is that it is then potentially dictating to people yeah. what it isn't they shouldn't be looking at and i think that that's a dangerous game where you know it, mm. it loses its democracy its democratic element it's mm. you know the basis of its of its existence and becomes um more well political i suppose could be would be an extreme way of yeah. putting it. but yeah yeah that's yeah, stylish yeah stylish. yeah yeah i mean and again it's sort of you know who's curating it in that sense you know choosing you know exactly you know, like the algorithmic yeah. system in Silicon Valley uh, deciding. Well, yeah, I mean, I did, and I, I've got no, you know, it's not, not a basis of any particular knowledge, I've got no idea, but um, mm. I suspect that they're not necessarily, you know, particularly up on, up on art. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, you know, I think, I think you can then sort of extrapolate that and look at something like Twitter, or sorry, X, um, mm. you know, what's happened there. You know, I, I used to, I, I still do um, use Twitter, but it's it's a very different animal mm. to what it used to be. I mean, I think it used to have a, if a social media platform can be seen as, you know, have, have an integrity to it, I think that that's been um, rather lost. Yeah. I shan't name any names or anything like that. But so if there is a, a king or queen maker behind the scenes, mm. then I think that it loses its... Um, you know, it's the whole point of the platform. It loses its legitimacy and its 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 power. Mm, absolutely, actually, that's happening with Instagram as well. I, I don't yeah, um, you with RVX president of the Royal Institute of Oil Painters. Correct. Yes, and just keeping it on that thing about sort of um, standards and institutions. How important do you think they still are today in that sense with the democratisation of art across the board? Um, do they still have the same weight? No. No, they don't. Because there are so many, as I've already said, there are so many outlets for 
for disseminating what you do, for showing work, for yeah. and for people, you know, judging it. And um, there are far more competitions. There are far more, you know, virtual galleries. So it's not that you're having to sort of corral a smaller number of people into one or two you know, galleries or venues like you you would in the past. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there would only probably be I don't know in, in the late nineteenth century, you know, four or five or six outlets that were considered societally considered to be um, you know to be to be up there. Whereas now, you know, you, you I, I couldn't begin to count how many avenues there are for showing your work, which I, I you know I think is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because I was involved, well, I still am involved, but I, you know, just because I was heavily involved in in that side of things, it doesn't mean that I don't see the merit in looking at things through a different lens. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, society, the nature of societies, it's incumbent on them to to react to the change in social mores and in, in trends, and to and to to grow and and expand and and democratize and you know be be relevant that's absolutely crucial and without that then you become extinct yeah very interesting Simon do you have a question always yeah I mean I'm, I'm always impressed with the discourse that you have with your audience because of how you use the platform to raise certain subjects that are either got growing pains or something which you've noticed that people are trying to adapt to in some way or other is there anything which you're thinking about at the moment as a, as a subject or is that not how these come up? I mean, how spontaneous are you with discussing certain topics on your Instagram? I, yeah, um, well, I mean, I think that when we're dealing with subject matter, um, I'm not quite with you on this one, Simon, I've got to say, but if, I, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm understanding you the way I think I'm understanding you, the the subject matter is not as there's nothing that's off limits for me to talk about okay i do think that it's there's a lot of sort of skullduggery at play i think in the art world a lot of sort of you know smoke and, and shadows and people not necessarily uh talking honestly and people being quite guarded about what they do and you know the mechanisms involved in how things are done you know, it's quite quite opaque a lot of the time and i do think that transparency um across the board is 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 of paramount importance um and i think that art is should be democratic um i do also think it should be qualitative as well i think that it, it should be well done but i do think the more people that have a chance to to do that is, is that's just a really really good thing so i'm very happy to talk about that sort of stuff whether it be in my instagram posts or, or right now um is that what you were getting at or were you talking about more of my own personal projects and how i choose them I suppose that was, I mean, what I'm thinking is that I was made aware of you when you raised the issue of representational arts being uh, prevalent in galleries or not so much these days with modern art being something that you see more commonly embraced in certain art circles to an yeah. extent. And that was an interesting discussion, which I went into your comment section about. And that's when I reached out to you initially. Yeah. And then since then, I've seen you do the same thing with other issues, which I just think you've got this real, you know, a really considerate tone to discuss issues with artists on the platform. And I'm trying to consider how would I introduce that if I were to have a larger audience? And I think I would have a pause about me before I actually launch this thinking, 
you know, have I considered everything yet? And I don't know because you're very confident in everything that you do, which I really admire in the way that you're, you've got a certainty about what you do because you know who you are, which I think comes across really nicely in the way that you describe your approach to art making and your uh, view on lots of aspects of art. That's something which I think I have a bit more hesitance with sometimes when I'm thinking, if I've not considered this mm. fairly, it will come back at me tenfold, you know, so. And, and you know, I mean, it, it, invariably it, it does on, on some level. I mean, there's always going to be somebody who thinks something else or, you know, who doesn't, who doesn't agree with, with you. And that I think is, is no bad thing. You know, you shouldn't have sort of a, a monopoly on, on opinion. I think that's all sort of be uh, in any way um, sort of dictatorial in what you say. If you're going to, you know, you, you do put yourself in, in, in range of people, if you go out and say to, you know, however many people, 60,000 people that this is what I think. Um, but I do think that, I do have thoughts, you know, um, and Instagram, it's social media. It's not just about pretty, you know, posting pictures. Um, you can use it for whatever you want to use it for. And I think that to to engender and encourage um, debate, um, to talk about things that are perhaps, you know, seen as as, as slightly risky or um, slightly off limits, um, I think is is perfectly reasonable. Um, on the you know, understanding that you do, you know, you do leave yourself open to a difference of opinion. Um, and at the end of the day, it's just that. And I think if it's done in the right way, with the right intent, um, ergo, you know, doing it because you want your people's experience to, to be better than it otherwise is, including my own, I benefit from it as well, then I think that that's worth the risk. Mm. Um, and you know, as I've said before, Simon, you know, life is life is short, um, and I've spent a lot of time, certainly earlier on in my career, not saying things or not articulating how I'm feeling about certain things for fear of reprisal or for putting people's noses out of joint. And well, yeah, I don't want to upset people unduly. There's no, there's no, there's no honour in that. But equally, I don't think that things should be off limits or off the table for fear of what people might think. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, within reason, you don't want to, you know, become horrible and offend people. No. And and your knowledge, I mean, it comes from experience. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where where it is an important element of what you do. But and they are they are sorry yeah. to interrupt they are just observations you know that's all they yeah. are there, there's yeah. no, there are no there's no sort of absolutes in what i'm saying it's no. like this is right this is wrong you know it's like it's, no. i think i think there was one post i did about well, my experience is it just me or has the art market rather tanked this year because i haven't sold anything and um because the thing is we're all you know we're relatively isolated in what we do and i was like oh my god you know what's going on here and i put it out there expecting maybe a couple of people to say yeah it's been a bit rough or many people yeah. say fine and i had this absolutely tumultuous response of people saying oh my god thank god you know thank god it's not just me and then them saying oh i'm sorry you're having a hard time as well which is very sweet but you know it's it i think it's a democratizing thing and i think it gives people sometimes it gives people a context and you know you're not alone yeah. you're not alone we're all in this together and yeah. i think that's that's that is empowering Mm. And it's interesting you saying about that because I've had that conversation as well about the art market, especially this year. Um, 
because of it, you know, everybody's maybe thinking it, but think it's just them that's suffering, right? So when someone does sort of burst that bubble in a sense and start talking, um, so let's shift to that to the art market. So, what do you think is going on? Is it just been this year in particular? How was last year? Again, listen. I mean, everything I say is born out of my own personal experience. Yeah. Not a sort of oversight of what's going on, or, or a deep understanding of the you know, the economics involved. Mm. Um, but, but I, I think, well, what my experience was that, you know, sort of bibbling along. Okay, last year it was all right. You know, I'm not. People weren't bashing the walls down trying to get my paintings. Um, it's never kind of been like that, really. I'm not one of these artists that, you know, just has these massively i'm not massively commercial in what i do i suppose or the way i do it so it's a, a relatively sort of small demographic that's going to it's going to appeal to um that being said you know there was a steady trickle of sales which you know kept me in bread and then suddenly that was turned off overnight um i i went away at the beginning of january came back and that was it it was gone yeah and i couldn't give stuff away you know um it was just like, it was really quite catastrophic because, you know, and I'm sure that I'm speaking to many, many people here who experienced a similar thing. Uh, my bills did not stop, um, but my, my, my revenue stream did. Um, and things got really, really, really hairy. And they, you know, they're still not great by any means, but it's a little bit better now. Um, yeah. But yeah, the first, you know, the first six months, seven months of this year, I've never had anything like that in my entire career. Um, you know, I've been through a recession before, um, and it wasn't great, but this was just nothing, literally not a sale. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, so, and the problem is that it doesn't matter how, you know, sort of self assured you are or experienced you are, you do look at yourself and you look at your model and you look at your prices and you think, am I, am I too expensive? Um, and the reality is, in that moment, yeah, you are because people aren't buying. But this, it, it then brings up, a lot of different questions about how you respond to it, how you react to it. And, mm. you know, but, and of course you want to play a long game and sort of ride, you know, ride the, the misery and come out the other side. But the reality is actually, you know, there isn't necessarily a long game to play because you've got to survive. Yeah. So you have to, um, you know, you go into sort of into you know, battle mode and, and, you know, change, change your model slightly. So how do you diversify? So, uh say a little bit about myself so i teach workshops i do various types of things to basically pay the rents pay the car pay the studio things like that so there's always that foundation then with the painting sales are always always up and down you know sometimes it's brilliant sometimes it's not and when it's brilliant you know i don't get too excited and when it's shit i try not to get to uh, uh the opposite of excited but it's like you say it's that kind of long game and i think artists nowadays and speaking back to how you know things have changed that diversification of income stream and, and business model is it's something you, you kind of have to be aware of all of the time because yeah. it's 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 never a, um, a stable linear type platform. There, there are always these sort of bumps in the road. So, how did you adjust to it? Did you? Well, sort of... I, I'd rather sort of 
it was all very bad timing for me because I'd rather sort of burn my boats a little bit. In, I, I used to, well, I still do a certain amount, not much, but, you know, I, I do teach and lecture at art schools, but not much, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't want to, uh, as much as I enjoy it, I don't want to do too much of it. Yeah. That's the balance I want to maintain. Um, but I'd actually, you know, when they'd, various institutions had said, oh, can, would you, can we book you for a, a slot, you know, next term or whatever? And I was saying, actually, you know what, I'm scaling back on that. Um, so just ahead of this crash, I'll be like, I'm not taking the work. Um, and in a way that was liberating uh, because I was like, you know what, actually, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm okay, I'm not going to do that. And then obviously this happened, I was like, Jesus, you know, that's the, that's just typical, isn't it? Um, but of course they'd quite understandably given the work to other people as they should. Yeah. So I couldn't do that. So I had to, um, to change things up. And one thing that I did, which I have never done before, um, and I do not want to do again, is to is to reduce prices of my work. Um, and that was a decision that was hard to make, really, really, really difficult to make. Um, and ultimately not one that is in any way has benefited me because no. it didn't sell even though the prices were lower, the work did not sell. Um, and then you've done damage to, and I don't want to sound too corporate about this, but, you know, 22 years of building up your brand. Um, you know, and I knew that. I knew that at the time. Um, but there are plenty of ways of sort of putting it and articulating it to, to people, like this is a studio sale or, you know, blah, blah. Um, but ultimately, you know, it, it amounts to the same thing. And then I was like, you know what, actually, sod it. I'd rather have... 100% of nothing than, well, this isn't a great analogy, but 100% of 50% and you're 60%, do you know what I mean? It's like, I might as well just put my prices back up. People aren't buying anyway. So sorry, I might as well maintain my uh, my brand. Um, and I think that that's absolutely vital. I really do. And yes, I think I have done my myself some damage, but I don't think it's irreparable and it didn't go on for long enough for it to become the, yeah. the market, I suppose. And, you know, the market will will recover. Um, and I, I, as I say, I wasn't at a lower price point for so long that I will be uh, pigeonholed by that or associated with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but no, the reality is, um, is Richard, I haven't actually really adequately made provision. You know, I've just sort of battened down the hatches. I've just tightened the, the purse strings a bit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've just <laughs> done what are incredibly... Um, illustrious all-knowing government have said and gone and bought the cheaper food at the supermarket <laughs> and they know a thing or two of those guys <laughs> so going back to those sort of teaching opportunities and things you were talking about the difficulty is with those that they're kind of arranged sometimes a year six months like in advance right so you say you know yes i'll be able to do so and i've had it this week where you know, a couple of things popped up and I was like, oh, I forgot about that. I arranged that six, eight months ago or something. Now, often when things are good and you're busy with lots of other stuff, you don't sort of, you say, you know, I'm not going to do those for now. For all of the reasons you, you explained, and we talked to Daniel Shadwell uh, in, the, in the last episode, and I was saying about this, about this balance between teaching and practice if you end up leaning too much into teaching you end up losing out on your own practice and many of my lecturers at university um 
were full-time lecturers and the work they were showing was 10, 15 years old. So when times are good and we're busy and optimistic, you sort of say no to all of these opportunities. And then six months down the line, there's that dip and kind of wish you had. So I think I think it shows that example of being a working artist that it is you've got to think about a lot of things all at the same time and some things can be um, you can make a decision on now yeah. some, some things you have to wait a little bit it's um it's quite confusing it is and i think i think that you want to you know in, in, in a sense if you want to future proof yourself by mm -hmm. saying yes i will do this in a year's time because that's going to give me much you know much needed uh, well possibly much needed income uh, mm -hmm. but conversely you're, you're thinking well you know i don't want to say yes because i, I have this sort of imaginary situation where i don't need to um where you know i'm going to have sold everything and it's just going to be a different kettle of fish or the market's just going to be unbelievably buoyant it's going to be you know yuppies with big mobiles again buying paintings <laughs> um and it's it's a balance isn't it um and it's very mood dependent as well and it's all bound in with your own identity of what you're doing and and what you are and who you are and yeah it's it's a very complex beast um and i think a lot of people are in in a similar you know a similar situation but yeah i mean i can give you an example i i, I used to be there's an art school down in chelsea a private art school actually one of the oldest art schools in the UK called Heatherly's and it's an old it's an atelier style um <clears throat> place working predominantly from the model but not exclusively um and I was there I was the head of portraiture there um for I think it was three years and you know I don't get me wrong I'm 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 a, I'm a big proponent of that place and um you know good people and good skills and you know I like it but it came to a point where I was just working too much, going to meetings and meetings about meetings. And I was like, you know what? Come on. I, I've always said to myself, if, if I spend more time doing that than painting, then that balance has gone, mm -hmm. gone skewed, become skewed. And I, I, I had to, um, to address that. So, yeah, I, I was very aware that I could be in a situation before I knew it where I was um, not really painting and bound in by the by the the, the monthly paycheck basically um yeah. and security yeah. which is not why i'm doing this ultimately yes of course i want to be financially secure but you know i didn't sign up to be an artist for that that's not mm -hmm. what I'm doing. interesting and back to sales and stuff like that so you you do mainly commissions is that right not really. Uh, yeah. it's hard. It's, I, you know what? I really struggle to describe to people where my money comes from or what the bulk of what I do is. I would say it's a, a real mix. As I've already mentioned, you know, I am not a big commission painter, portrait painter, especially because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not in the business of nice painting. You know, it's not what I do. I don't, you know, I don't airbrush. I'm not going to make you look any younger than you actually are probably yeah. probably the opposite and so there's a limited demographic who want that okay there are paintings before their portraits if you know what i mean or at least i hope they are um so i wouldn't say that i get a huge amount of commissions however the commissions i do get they're generally from people who really identify with the work that i'm doing and the sort of work that i'm doing so they tend to be really good commissions and they're 
nourishing, mutually nourishing experiences. Um, but no, it tends to be the majority, or certainly the majority of the last few years is is actual piece, sort of what I call fine art pieces of portrait painting, as in people buying pa paintings of people they don't know, um, which, you know, for me is a lovely thing, right? Because normally when people buy a picture of somebody, it's because, you know, they know them or they've commissioned it. But for them to say, actually, you know, that is an emotive piece of art that resonates yeah. with me. Yeah. Yes, I don't know the person. I think, um, yeah, that's that's for me a, a, a real a real compliment, actually. Mm. So I do sell some of those, but again, recently it's been really tough. And I do sell, you know, sell landscapes, but again, it's been tough. Um, I think that the more known I become for painting people, the more the, the more the balance has shifted towards me actually selling paintings of people rather than yeah. which is interesting because obviously landscapes are inherently more commercial. Mm -hmm. um, but but that's this is all in between my big my bigger projects where I have a thematic element to a big body of work that's normally associated with a, a humanitarian um, issue. Yeah. Um, I'm setting up my next project at the moment, and that's going to be um, in motion pretty soon. And that's been quite a big undertaking. And I've not done one of these really since 2018 19. Um, and you know, the birth of my 1920s and then the birth of my first son and then my second son, COVID, uh, you know, a war, uh, Brexit, all of these things all at once mm -hmm. equals, you know, not a huge amount of headspace or, you know, or, or cognitive ability as, and also just a sort of a very, um, a very cautious climate generally. Yeah. Now I think things are, well, Certainly, my own cognitive abilities have improved. Whether or not the climate is less cautious, I don't know. In fact, it's a bit of the world is a, is, a, is a flame at the moment, actually. But Do you mind sharing what that project's going to be? Well, because the world is a flame, uh, <laughs> it's a climate change-based um, project. Um, and I'm sort of kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's with various collaborators at the moment. But it's, yeah, it's um, basically the... <sighs> the impact on um, people in low-lying regions of the planet due to rising sea levels and ultimately how that actually is going to impact the UK as well. Um, you know, it's a metaphor, isn't it? They are the ones that are, you know, getting it now, but the reality mm -hmm. is this is coming um, here as well and we're all part of it and we're all complicit. And this is so it's awareness building. So, so through portraits, um, audio probably video it's going to be sort of multi multi-format exhibit um i don't see it being a commercial exhibit in the sense that it's not going to be a commercial uh selling gallery space that's not how i want this to be it's more of a i think more of a, a sort of awareness building museum style thing um that hopefully will get some um some funding yeah so that's that's the the, the model um, but obviously one there are a lot of working parts in this and each one is sort of the success of one is contingent on the other one happening. So it's like a house of cards. If one thing flips, then the whole thing falls apart. So it's, it's, it's engaging all of my cognitive abilities and skills way beyond painting. Cause I haven't done any painting yet. That's, this is, that's, mm. you know, that's, that's the easy bit. I mean, I don't want to sound flippant. It's never mm. easy, obviously, but that's, at least I have, a, at least I have a, a direct, um, you know, a, a, a direct influence on the outcome of that. Whereas dealing with this, 
there are a lot of things at play that are that are at play that I can't um, influence. You know, politics and it, it may not be the right fit for certain organisations, stuff like that. So we shall see. Um, but that's going to be you know coming to life hopefully within the next few months. It's fascinating. Will you also have time to sort of do quote unquote your own painting? This will be my own painting. It will be. Yeah. 100%, that's the point. So you totally painting. absorbed. Yeah. Yeah. This is this this is my own painting. This is the painting that I do. You know. This. I mean. Listen. I. I. I everything's my own painting, right? But this is the stuff that I really that gets me going. Okay. This mm. is you know when there's a there's a reason for it beyond. Um, the aesthetic, I suppose. That's really interesting. So, so, but also that project-based thing, that kind of structure. Exactly. You get, you get up for, and you, you exactly. have, you know, yeah. So I don't like the whole sort of the nebulous nature of how things have been over the last few years. It's been mm. it's not, not structured enough, and I, I, I need that. I really feel happier when I'm, I'm in that situation where I've got a you know discernible start point and I've got an end point. I know what I'm working towards. I know what I'm trying to achieve. And I will do it, you know, um, because it's motivating, you know, it's exciting. And if it excuse me, it probably will. Or somebody else might, but, you know, probably my wife. I'll, uh, I'll just, I've got two questions for you. They're both, I'll ask, I'll ask one at a time because they're both a little bit different. Cool. You mentioned about trying to get funding, and I was curious if you've ever approached, excuse me, the Arts Council of England, or if it's uh, any experience with that, because I've approached the Arts Council of Wales, and it comes with its own anecdotes at times, because there can be some interesting discoveries in, in that process. Is yeah. there anything you can discuss with, with that? Um, I, 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 yeah, look, I, I don't want to go on record as to say, you know, to say sort of, too much, I suppose, because um, I'm in the process of applying for another grant, right? So I don't in any way jeopardise that. Um, but I have had, I've applied for um, a small grant once before from the Arts Council um, <clears throat> and I didn't get it. And I don't for one minute think that, you know, I, I, there's a God-given right why I should get something, but I thought that I put in a pretty, you know, a pretty good application and I didn't get it. And um, I was subsequently told that, not by them, but by somebody else, that there's a very particular language that you need to speak with these applications and you need to say certain things and you have to be quite sort of strategic about that. Mm -hmm. um, and clearly, uh, not that I had any feedback, but clearly I didn't. So I am going to be working with a bid writer, actually, who specialises in art count, arts council applications um, on my next application for a, for a larger grant, um, which I hope um, will help with this project if I were to get it. Um, so we shall see. So this is what I'm saying, is that there are a number of variables that affect, that's, that's outcomes, outcomes of which affect other outcomes. So I can't really do very much unless I get the money, basically. So there's that. There's another uh, There's another organisation um, that I'm not going to name um, that I am just about to submit an application for. And what they do is they, um, they fund travel. So they fund travel of UK nationals abroad to... Um, to basically discover discover things that they can then bring back which are going to benefit UK culture and society um, and of course this for me falls under the remit of what I'm doing of going out and looking at sort of case studies abroad 
that will the learnings from which will I can bring back, disseminate here, build awareness that can benefit our society and more importantly our you know our, our climatic um, future, I suppose. Mm. Um, so again, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of this particular application and what exactly they're looking for, um, but yeah. That would be good because that would actually fund the actual travel side of things but they won't fund the art side of things they won't fund the dissemination of what i do but it's the actual travel to, to go out and gain knowledge um but i've never done this sort of stuff before it's, it's always been a you know a commercial gallery you know sell work that's how it's monetized um whereas this if i get the money to do it and we're not talking large amounts of money but we're talking enough to to facilitate the project to keep me you know from wasting away uh, whilst also being able to actually go and you know do the do the do the groundwork and, and do the work um yeah that's that's the idea basically yeah that's fantastic i mean the other question's a little bit different so i wanted to make sure i didn't ask both at the same time because they don't really relate very loosely they do i suppose because of the first conversation i had with you we discussed briefly sketchbooks and how you don't use sketchbooks really you work things out on the canvas and with this project that you're working towards it makes me curious as where whether you use a notebook or or is there any way that you kind of you don't do that i mean oh no no i'm i yeah i i don't i just i just use my camera so even when you're pitching and proposing and discussing with people you don't use visual aids or kind of say or I'm just, I suppose it's just it's the way that I communicate quite often. The, the pitch and the proposals to organisations. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm not talking about the application for, found, for funding. That's a different thing. Mm. But for, you know, collaborators or partners, be they charities or, you know, climate change advocacy groups, whatever it is, um, their language is not a visual one normally. So quite frankly, if you, you know, show them a picture and a sketchbook that you've done, they're not going to really care about that what they want to know is are you a risk and are you of benefit to them is there a symbiosis there where you can bring um where you can you know bring currency to what they do as well as obviously me benefiting from what they do um so the way that i pitch that is is i you you very rarely get to speak to people so it's nearly always from a computer you know very very well-constructed emails with hyperlinks to past projects that they can make it easy for them you know undeniable you can't say no you just click on that bang all the info's up there bang that's me you know super quick um and say this is what you're going to do you spell it out this is what you want to do this is why you want to work with them how's it going to benefit them blah blah blah. and i know i'm sounding a little bit sort of cynical about it but you know that's how the world tends to work and once they because they, they're taking a punt on you they don't know you from adam right mm-hmm. the fact that i'm the royal society of you know institute of oil painters president they don't, they don't care they didn't even know there was one right so it's that doesn't matter it's getting them interested and then you can have a conversation and then you can meet them and then you can sit down with them then you can show them what you do they're like, oh that's such that's all right you're actually you know you can paint a picture but yes and that's how you build up these things. And you know what, Simon, a lot of it is is disappointment because very there are there's not a huge amount of what I consider to be sort of blue sky thinking at play across the board. It takes particular types of people within organisations to 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 sort of see the potential in these sorts of collaborations. I think the corporate the corporate side of things and the you know the the, the certainly the the charitable 
sector is beginning, I think, to see the benefits of cross-pollination with the visual arts and how the visual arts is a very powerful platform for disseminating their messages as well. And I'm trying to sort of, you know, I suppose exploit that to a certain degree um, because obviously having the backing or the association with one of these organisations helps me personally enormously as well. It not only facilitates the project um, and to, you know, to, to introduce me to the right people to, to, to get sort of the issues that I want to, but also the dissemination is, it's got a much, much greater reach as well. So it's mutually beneficial in that sense, but you, you've got to sort of, you've got to spell that speak, out there. Yeah, yeah, speak their language first to get, well, to, to to get them to know how beneficial yeah. it is to them. Yes, yeah. Cringeworthy because you're like, you know, yeah. I feel like I'm, it's like an elevator pitch, but mm. yeah, you know, you have to do it. But once you get that freedom within the project, that's where your that's where what I do comes into yeah, play. yeah. That's where I can actually bring bring value, I suppose. Um, but you know, the caveat to all of this is that none of what I've just talked about is actually signed off. Um, I'm still in the sort of I had it almost signed off before with a different um, partner, um, but that fell through unfortunately, um, which was very very disappointing. But I think the writing was slightly on the wall because there had been a lot of radio silence for quite a lot of time, and mm. that's never a good sign. Even though they'd actually basically said yes, and then it was God knows what happened, but. Yeah, well, I won't surmise. But, you know, out of that comes a, a new opportunity and potentially something that's, you know, more, um, you know, more more appropriate, really. So we'll mm -hmm. see. Well, maybe the right person will watch this and listen to this and think, ah. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, absolutely. Who, who knows? Um, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, it took, should we talk about painting itself then? And, um, <laughs> yeah. The... Uh, what you do and I love I mean I love your work and I love the texture it's yeah, a massive massive part of it um so have, have you always painted in a impasto way did you you know work it out as you went along because painted you I mean the, the figurative stuff in particular I mean it's absolutely accurate but you, you've managed to do what many people can't do and that is to make it accurate, but also make it free, painterly, loose. It's that lovely balance right in between the two. How long did it take to develop that? And well, look, thank you. You know, thank you very much for for that. That's that's really that's really nice to hear. Thank you. And that is what I endeavour to do, I suppose. Um, firstly, I think I should say that I did go to art school, um, but I didn't, and I think. I've, you know, touched on this with Simon and probably in the last uh, the last session, but I I didn't really learn the ins and outs of painting at art school. No. Quite so <laughs> they tried to sort of discourage it. Really, um, truth be told, uh, so I would say that I'm pretty much self-taught, and it's just you know it's just just hours, days, weeks, months, years of just just bashing away basically you know the old practice makes perfect adage yeah definitely not perfect but practice has helped um and so I think that stylistically I've always worked in a very similar way I, I I quantify the world around me I suppose in the same terms visually that I I always have had uh ever since you know ever since I was much younger um and that involves yeah thick paint pretty loose 
but and, and very chaotic I said there is and that's sort of a chaos within the work that I'm actually actively seeking I want that it's really important I don't want anything uh, that's prescriptive uh, but predicated on precision you know and, and draftsmanship and and yeah that's that's the those are the building blocks right is it's, yeah it's good draftsmanship and and that just comes from sort of just absolute visual scrutiny and just mm. really really hard hard and you think you need to and just hoping to dear god that what mm. you see and what it then does to your hand and your brush is, is sort of compatible um and then so yeah so i want to be on that knife edge as a painter yeah. between or that precipice between you know I suppose representational and uh, and abstract. that's that's the place that I like. That's the place I find uh, energizing and exciting as a painter. Interesting. I often talk about this, and it's um, something that's always important. I mean, it's this idea of both chaos and order. Uh, Nietzsche's idea of Apollo, Dionysus, so Dionysus, the god of chaos, poetry, intoxication. Apollo, the god of order, too much of one too much Dionysus, it's absolute crazy mess, too much order, it's anal, conservative, too structured. Nietzsche's idea was like good art is a real perfect balance between these two, that you have the structure, you know, the kind of architecture of Apollo, but then within that, the dynamism, and in your case, painterliness of the kind of Dionysus, this this spirit, this sort of visual poetry. Yeah. It's very hard to create. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, yeah, I, I do think it is. I think it's, it is difficult because the two are not mutually exclusive and they, mm. in essence, they are contradictory. Um, yeah. one, one is, you know, fighting with the other and to have some sort of a, an accord, some sort of um, proof mm. between the two is, mm. is, is not easy to attain or to broker as a painter. Mm. Um, and sometimes it happens more effectively than others. Sometimes it, it's it's too um, prescriptive and just lacks lacks that that organic thrust. And sometimes it's just it just goes too far, goes too far the other way. It's like Alan Partridge, but you know what I mean. It just goes, it just becomes too chaotic to the point where yeah. the actual craft of it has gone. And I, for me, that's. Uh, that's not where I want to be. And I'm not saying it's not what I wouldn't want in a few years' time. We, we all change. I think yeah. that historically, certainly artistically, historically, there's been a bias towards a move to abstraction throughout a, a painting journey. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think, would I consider myself more abstract now than I used to be? Yeah, possibly slightly. So in a small amount, I think. Slightly more chaotic, deliberately. Deliberately. Yeah. Do you yeah. know... Do you know that point in the painting um, when you hit that balance right? Are you aware of that? Is it it's happening? You say, you know, that, yeah. that thing, yeah. don't push it any further. Yeah, and I can't describe that. Um, it's just a feeling. It's just a, you just, yeah, it's just, that's so uselessly unhelpful for your, for your viewers right now because I can't articulate that. But I suspect it's different for everybody and it's different yeah. for process. But for me, I do, I do, I just get that feeling. It's like, right, okay, that is oh. what I need, what I want. But then there's also a little voice in the back of my head saying, yes, but you need to evolve as a painter. So perhaps you need to step into that beyond and push it. And perhaps you need to, to you know, to, to, to mess it up, to, oh. you know, or, or for it to be a little bit more, um, uh, 
ordered or a little bit more work. I think that I, that's criticism that I would level at myself historically is things perhaps being a little bit underworked, perhaps not as nuanced as they could be. And I think that that's something that I have been working on just to make things not in any way more finished or polished, but more nuanced. And I mean nuanced in terms of, you know, the aggregate marks that link areas, the, 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 the you know, the sublimation, the, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the, there's a particular word um, where you change from one. Liminal? Term. Sorry? It's not liminal, is it? It's not that. It could, it's actually not liminal, but that, that's... Yeah, it's in between. That's also a good one, but it's that sort of thing, right? Where I'm just trying to, but whilst retaining a freshness, you know, and um, so being, yeah, taking risks and sometimes, actually, sometimes doing what they did at art school, which was to destroy stuff for the sake of it, so that you can just see what that feels like. So, yeah, never being static, I suppose. Um, yeah. mod, mod, modular, uh, modula, modulation, modulation, yeah. modulation, tonal modulation, that's it. I'm not with paintings, do you, so I've I've had this past week, and I don't know what it is. That like few days of not quite being able to do what I normally do, and I tried to work it out. Is it because I've I've got a lot on my mind, or is you know is it about the practice? Is it about the patience? What is it that sometimes I can just walk in, have flow? Other times it's. It, Again, how do you navigate that and deal with diff, it? Diff, diff, well, you don't. Uh, different, yeah. for, different for different people, right? It's all one's own experience, and that's that's what happens with me is not what happens with you or what happens with someone yeah. or else watching this. Um, and you can't predict it either. So, at least I can't. I can go into the studio feeling brilliant, energised, like this is going to be a you know an absolute belter, and it's just rubbish. <laughs> Conversely, I can go in feeling like crap, and mm. something can happen, and... Um, I still don't know what what the outcome's going to be, and, and you know what? Thank God for that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm glad. I'm glad that I don't know yeah. because that's yeah. the alchemy of it, isn't it? That's the you know that's the mystery, and I think that yeah. that, is, that is a seductive thing, and that keeps me hungry. Mm, that's interesting. I, I think as well with it, and I was explaining this to someone else the other day. You know, I look out my window a lot whilst I'm painting. I pace around. I go for a walk around the block. I, um, it looks like procrastination but I'm still sort of thinking about painting and I think being a full-time painter it's that thing that it is not like many other things if I'm going in to do my accounts for example you know I get uh, reluctantly sit down um, I'm not very good at doing by the way but I'd sit down and then you've got this kind of linear thing that you've got to do at least, you've got, at least you've got some accounts, Simon. Uh, <laughs> sorry, at least you've got some accounts. Good. <laughs> um, but it's one of, and I often think about this that you know, painting. You kind of to to hit that absolute flow is a rare thing. I'm doing a couple of commissions at the moment. and found finding them really difficult because, first of all, it, in many ways, it's other people's sort of vision. I'm a kind of a painter that gets the inspiration and in, then in paints. But when I'm doing it in this in this development, I find it very difficult. Um, and maybe that's affected my other painting. I don't know why I've been feeling strange. I, I think that's highly likely. And I, I, yeah. I think I would qualify what I just said before by saying, you know, saying I didn't know why. It depends what you're painting. Uh, so if mm. I if I sort of if I know what I'm going to paint and, I, and it, it get I, the thought of it 
just it gives me that little buzz that feeling invariably the outcome is going to reflect that um if i feel very indifferent to something that i feel duty bound to paint then uh, it's hard for that to be anything other than uh, just a response to that feeling really mm -hmm. um yeah there are th there are things that i get excited about painting and things that i do not get excited about painting and i you know i, I take your point about commissions um even with the best will in the world, even if you really get on with a person who you're painting, it's still you, 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 and you do have agency over it to a certain degree. It's still not your choice. It's still not your vision and what mm. you would automatically paint, unless by some, you know, quirk of fate, that person is exactly what it is. You know, it's like, wow, got alignment. Yeah. yeah, just total alignment, which just let's be honest, doesn't really happen very often. No. What I choose to paint in terms of portraits, in terms of you know the non-commissioned stuff is quite specific it's it's very it's generally a little bit challenging and irregular and not what society would consider to be pretty or good looking uh -huh. you know that irregularity for me is one of the things that i find exciting i can see it you know i can see a person as a painting i can i, I can't say what it's going to look like as the painting because i don't want to get ahead of myself but i just feel it i'm like wow that is something that i just mm. somebody that just yeah needs to be painted and i think i can do that mm. um, conversely something else is just like mm, wow your face is very regular or, you know, yeah. yeah yeah and then you can't you sort of can't push it towards yeah. being irregular exactly. exactly and it's not i don't feel pigeonholed per se by the process of the, the commission or the person's you know how they feel about it i mean obviously i want them to like it but i am not overly preoccupied about you know flattering them or whether or not they're gonna you know like the angle of their nose or whatever at the end of the day I'm, I, there's a prerequisite with what i do that it's going to be accurate okay it's i wouldn't let something get to the past that doesn't have it's not as i said predicated on you know, pretty rigorous observation. It'll just be them, but perhaps slightly more them than they are. I've said this to, to Simon before, more than they are in reality. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not hugely fussed about whether or not they like it or not. It's whether they respect it, I suppose, as a mm -hmm. think That's more important to me. Mm -hmm. And what I really struggle with in those situations is then to, to bring peril into the process the degree of peril and risk taking that i would do for my own private stuff mm. because i'm just not as inspired by it that's right and it's not because i'm worried about you know the, where the peril will take me in terms of the painting and whether it's going to sort of stop looking like them it's just i just i'm not as inspired inherently so i won't be as energized to make those sorts of you know chaotic sort of almost suicidal decisions which i think mm -hmm. are very important in painting to push to push you through and broach new ground do you think that as well is that you know i find with my own painting in that sense my target audience is myself you know i want to create a good a better painting than the last you know 50 i've created Whereas, you know, with, with, and if people can relate to that, you know, and as artists, we develop that kind of good sense in a sense of, you know, if I, as the artist, can see, uh, actually, this is a good one I've created here, um, other people tend to, uh, you know, sort of relate to that. I think with the commission aspect as well, is that you, 
your target audience is not yourself within it. You know, both sort of um, uh, financially, practically, but I think also on the level that you're talking about, about, um, you know, that, that relating to it. And I think what happens then is, you know, if I'm trying to, to um, perform for myself, I've created a page, I am the ultimate sort of judge of that. And I would really scrutinise it, but I would also accept it. I think when it's a commission, I do get that thing of thinking, you know, but I hope they like it. I want to make it right for them, which is true. And it's right because they're paying you to do it. But I do think there's a massive difference. And I've got a couple on the go at the moment, but I've just said after this, I'm not, I'm taking it off my website. I just need a, a break to, to focus on my, focus on my own stuff. Um, and I do, do find that thing interesting again. You know, like you were saying about your your own inspiration, within that you are the kind of the judge. The, you know, the, it, and, and I think it's really important sometimes to to understand and to know those differences and to see it. You know, inside yourself, how you know you are as an artist in different situations. Absolutely, yeah. I, I can't really elaborate on that, um, Richard, because I think you put <laughs> you know succinctly and, and eloquently I think my experience is very similar um yeah, yeah no no I, I that, that that echoes with me as well cool so yeah I uh I almost hesitate to bring this up but I wanted to ask your view because I have this friend and she is a very good artist for using color and she has what I described to her as two branches to her output and I was a bit hesitant to do this, but I reluctantly did advise her to nurture one side more than the other because I have a an opinion where it doesn't matter how well someone produces artwork, if it's based on celebrity or, or film, I think it's just a different category than your own observation and study of your own personal experience. So I was advising her to maybe separate her movie studies from her own personal life production and 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 kind of the work where she's you know she's painted a just a bed but it's the way that she's done the quilt was just beautiful use of color and she'll do flowers and they're almost abstract because they're such you know heavily saturated um with this kind of brightness that she captures i don't know if i'm wrong to tell her that i tried to advise her on my specific view and experience do you have any kind of advice that you ever give to artists on this is a more commercial market with movie and celebrity and it might taint the view of your career or output if you combine that with work which could be seen as more academic or personal am i way off or do, or do you share any of that view or have a view on that at all who's that a question to Oh, to you, yeah, to you too. Okay. Um, damn it. Um, <laughs> oh God, wow, that's really difficult. Um, I mean, I have a, I have a sort of, I haven't actually experienced an individual who has worked like that within my own experience. I've seen it, you know, I've seen it, I've seen it on you know, Instagram a lot. My initial sort of. I suppose instinctive visceral response is that it ain't, it's not a very good idea 
Um, and then I'm trying to think think through that and work backwards and try and sort of articulate in my mind as to why isn't it a good idea. Um, I think for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, the art community or the painting community in particular would or could, yeah, look, sort of look down slightly on that dual thread uh, and the whole sort of painting of celebrity um, sort of wham bam ishness. Um, the other thing that I would think about with with that is that is that it's actually not it's not your own image. And I think that that for me is the is the main issue. Is it's not you know your it, 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 it doesn't matter you're painting a celebrity. You know you can paint whoever you want. That's your your choice. I mean I've painted celebrities. Um, I hate that word by the way. Um, celebrities. Yeah. Um, but it's it's been from, you know, having met them, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And um, so it's my lens, it's my interpretation of them. Whereas obviously if you're working for somebody else's content, it's it's their interpretation of them. And there's no real connection, I think, between the artist and the outcome, mm. other than, you know, you applied the paint yourself. Um, I mean, obviously, how you work a photograph, and that, that brings us to a, it's a diff different debate about working from photos, which, by the way, I've got no problem with um, if, you know, it's done in the right way, what I consider to be the right way. But it's when you're working for somebody else's photo, they don't know about it. Mm. I think it, it, it lacks a little bit of integrity, personally. And I think that's a word that I don't like to use. And I think that's a bit, it can be a bit harsh. I don't want your friends to sort of see this and think, God, this guy's... She'll love this when I send this to her. Oh, I just don't, I, I do, yeah, I do think it from an outside perspective, an outside viewpoint, could be detrimental to your brand, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying it's to be saying that because, I mean, for every, um, when you think of a, a picture of Marilyn Monroe, I mean, that's probably been painted tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of times, because these images have become part of, you know, a collective culture. I mean, obviously Warhol, you know, is part of the dawning of that. But I, I think from my from my experience of looking at Instagram, but also teaching art and, and working with different artists, is I always think like individual style and brand for lack of a better term is definitely the way to go and there's a massive risk in that yeah you're probably going to get more engagement and likes if you're posting paintings of um said celebrities but it's worth taking that risk within your own style and your own con content and building yourself up from there um you know, yeah. just from, that's the way I kind of see it in that sense that it is, it may be safe in a way to, to, to do that. And you may be really good at it, but take that risk. Yeah, I think it's also how it makes you feel um, as an individual. Yeah. You know, if, if this friend of yours really just loves doing it, then yeah, you know, that's that's one thing, isn't it? But if they feel that perhaps it's sort of, you know, not, life affirming particularly as or artistically affirming then yeah that would i think validate them 
try something slightly different. Mm. I also think just generally, it doesn't matter what you're doing as a, as an artist, but I think having a sort of dual strand of anything, it sort of, it, it, it dilutes perhaps not only other people's perception of what you are as an artist, but perhaps your own output. Um, you know, I, yeah, I think it could, in theory, it could sort of diminish the intensity of one if you're channeling mm. divergent, you know, the channels diverge into two different uh, either styles or, or strands. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, again, using my own experience, for, again, for want of a better word, yeah. you know, I, I always, I paint in the same way, whatever it is I'm painting, whether it's a fish or a tree or a person, doesn't matter. It's the same way. Mm. Uh, uh, so hopefully you'd be able to, you know, somebody would be able to say, oh yeah, that's, that's that bloke, no matter what, uh, what it is he's, that he's painted. And I, I just think that that's, um, probably in the long run a little bit more useful <laughs> yeah. if you want if people want to know what you're about yeah, mm. yeah it's it's that, i couldn't do anything else so yeah but it's that, that identification through visual language yeah. through mark making and again back to the social media thing um you know our bandwidth for seeing all of the nuances of someone's different techniques and stuff isn't there. And I think um, Instagram has definitely sort of influenced um, artists in a way. I mean, if you look back, a lot of 20th century artists that do sort of still lives, that do um, portraiture, that do landscape, I mean, the, you know, the whole thing. What I've seen now more is a narrowing in of, and I'm guilty of this myself, well, not guilty, it's, it's part of what I do, but, it's a narrow and because there's a recognizability within it, whether it's in the brush strokes or or the subject or the colours or something like that. So mm. it's it's that visual language, like Tim's visual language. You look at his painting and you know who it's by, dependent of, of subject matter. I love by the way that um London November painting. Thank you. That, that's, um, I've had a good day. That's sold today. So. Oh, did it great. Mm. Fabulous. Yeah. Great take. Thank you. Yeah, I was, I was happy with that one, actually. It, did you paint that plein air? Uh, well, I painted it from my studio window. Yeah. Um, and I just completely sort of simplified the skyline, so just like, donk. Yeah. I didn't think that people really needed to see wood green in that photo. In that <laughs> well. Are you in wood green, home? Uh, I, yeah, well, I live in I live in Bounce Green in North London. Um, oh, okay, yeah. In Green, yeah. Yeah, I moved to to Norfolk from London, and I lived on the ladder. In oh, did you? Very good. Park for for many years. Uh, right. Yeah, I know where you are. Um, and so, talking about the landscape, um, is there any particular landscape you like or inspired by? It, it, how do you work? Do you work plein air? Do you work from photos yeah what's your process um sometimes both uh mm. sometimes i was gonna say sometimes neither definitely not neither i definitely either work from one or the other <laughs> um it depends really on the size so generally the small ones are you know generally plein air um sort of you know yay big balls that sort of stuff um i really like norfolk um you know the sort of those stark um horizontals and then the occasional vertical and then you know the big skies right on my strata 
Um, I like all of that. And how can I sort of abstract it? So mm -hmm. that it's not necessarily site specific. Um, yeah. And you'll notice, I mean, you, you may or may not notice from a lot of the titles that I think infuriate a lot of people. Um, yeah. They are not site specific titles. It's not, you know, this is bloody blah, blah. You know, this is just this like yeah. river or London sky or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, because I don't, it, it, I don't want people to get too bound up in the sort of the nostalgia of I, I went there as a child, therefore I like that painting. I want to be more objective about whether or not they actually like the bloody painting or not, not whether they were, you know had their first kiss there or whatever. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, but sometimes, yeah, sometimes I work from photos, and you know, I think, and with with portraits as well, sometimes from photos, um, and that you know that plays into the whole topic of, of working from photography and you know I've, I've been very vocal about this in the past about saying absolutely um no problem with that from my point of view at all um it's obviously how you interpret it's 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 in your interpretive abilities mm. determine the outcome and if you can apply the same you know interpretation interpretive skills to a photograph that you would you know, a person sitting in front of you or a tree in a, in a, in a real landscape and distill that information and then disseminate it in the mm. way disseminate um, rather than feeling that, yeah, you've just got to sort of paint every last little detail because it's captured. Um, yeah. Stillness and it's there in front of you. Yeah. Because it wouldn't do, I, I was teaching this morning, so I, I run little painter classes and workshops and um, we were, I was sort of talking about the anatomy of clouds and about tonal value and, and all, all of that stuff. But I took in on my iPad a load of um, constable yeah. cloud studies. And are they brilliant? Those studies. Oh, mate. Honestly, I mean, for me, they. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Literally and, stratospheric. Yeah, yeah. I mean, incredible. And his all, they changed me in many ways, wanted me to become a painter and um, his oil sketches and his cloud studies. I mean, you know, I, when I was a kid, Constable was all about, you know, the hay wain, which was on yeah. you know, my nan's biscuit tin or whatever. You know. So it, it was that kind of more rebellious nature. But I took, I took these in and I, I'll often do this. With, is we look through the photos and the, the instinct is for, for a lot of them to, to want to copy exactly what, the photo is doing and especially from a painting it's it's almost impossible because it's layered in different ways and uh, the technique is different but what I'll often do is show people and then turn it off and say remember the basics of that picture in your mind and you can often remember the compositional elements and some of the tonal elements and then try and riff off of that with with the painterly language um it, but i fully believe in photography i don't personally work from it myself if i do use it i, I will usually just look at a photograph of another sky or something for about five minutes and then turn it off and get get rid of it put it way out of sight um, that's really that's really interesting to hear. Yeah, my, my, I suppose my version of that is to work from a you know like a bad photograph. I, I prefer yeah. I prefer to work from something that doesn't have a huge amount of information or is a bit blurred, mm. ambiguous. Yeah. Where I'm having to you know sort of fill in the, the mental blanks, and that brings my interpret that sort of escalates my interpretive um, the necessity for me to interpret what's in front of me. Um, yeah, and the same is true, and the same is true of 
portraits as well if i if i have to work with photograph then um, i don't there are certain photos i look at and think yeah i can't see that as a painting because it's just too i don't know there's just too much there and yeah yeah the, the yeah it's hard to describe mm -hmm. but you do need to be very selective about what it is that you paint and you can't really tell people what to do it's that's their choice yeah as a teacher that's 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 their choice and how they do that and you can then sort of offer yeah. advice once that's down then say well how do you consider doing this but um we all see things differently and, and you know yeah. Yeah. For that. yeah and some people do i'm not really an observational painter you know it's funny i observe a lot but i'm not a, what would you say direct observational painter it's more sort of memory based i spend a lot of time walking out, watching the sunset, looking at the clouds, you know, that kind of thing, and then come back to the studio. And yeah, and that's just so far removed from my process. It's like, I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't have the ability to do that. Yeah. I could, I could not do that. There's just, I, I just don't work like that. I am a yeah. painter yeah. Um, in my own right, you know, but yeah, and I, I've always thought that that's a tremendous skill to be able mm. to do that, to be able to sort of commit not in terms of, you know, photographically to memory, because that's definitely not what you're doing, but to take your inspiration for it to give you enough information for you yeah. to, you know, to, to sort of disseminate it in a, in a, in a, in a painterly. Mm. Um, mm. Back. I think that's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, the danger of is that I've become stylistic in that sense, you know, so things I remember, this is how I paint a cloud, this is, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. But what I tend to do, I mean, most of my paintings are based on a very similar composition. I'm in East Anglia, I'm in Norfolk. I grew up in the Fens, um, you know, I know the horizon <laughs> and the sky and the sea and the shore. That's my, that's my kind of... Um, a reference point and, and and once you have that, that basic composition it's one of the easiest compositions say a seascape or a landscape because you're just you know dealing with horizontals and throw a few verticals and diagonals now when i do paint for me it's all about the the atmosphere and often the format i'm using is you know i've painted the same painting many times but i'm always switching the colours around the atmosphere around just to pitch it on that level. So when I was talking about that indirect observation, it's all of those little nuances in light and that particular atmosphere at that time, which is then being translated into, into the work. Um, let's talk about colour. So um, talking about, I've used a, a, a triad, a primary triad of uh, Colors. So, and I'll switch it around. So sometimes it'll be raw sienna, um, quinacridone red, uh, ultramarine blue, and white. And then next time I'll choose um, cadmium yellow, um, alizarin crimson, and Payne's grey. So it's just constant like switching around. How do you approach color? Do you have a, a set palette, or do you change around? Um, I have a set palette which um, has changed over time. Um, you know, it's sort of, yeah, it's it's evolved and devolved and then re-evolved, I suppose, again over over time. Um, and <clears throat> I have at the moment I have seven colours on my palette which I use, um, and those are in no order at all: um, lemon yellow, ultramarine blue, burnt umber, cadmium red, alizarin crimson, titanium white, and cobalt or cerulean blue. For me those two are interchangeable 
Um, it used to be fewer. I used to ha not have the cobalt or cerulean blue on there. I didn't also have the alizarin crimson. Um, but I find that those colours, you know, they're always on my palette. And I, you know, I'm not saying I'll use every one of those every time in every painting, but they're always on my palette. And I can there mix. You... Sorry. There if you need them. Exactly. Um, and I find that I can mix, you know, most most things from those. Um, you know, I, I'm not a closed book. I, I, you know, it could well change. I mean, uh, mm. um, but that's where I am at the moment. That's where I've been for for a few years. Yeah. Mm. It's always interesting that evolution of color and color palettes. I've mentioned this on the podcast before that when I first got really interested in painting, you know, going to Atlantis Art in Stepping. Oh, was it that brick lane before um and go and thought that i'd have to have to buy like every tube of old holland oil paint to be a proper painter and then oh. <laughs> um started sort of collecting these never was reading online about limited palettes and i learned more about painting and that's how i teach now with just with a limited palette, about tone, about colour, about uh, all of that kind of stuff, just from limiting it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not, uh, you know, an academic painter. Um, mm. I think I think that's born out of my art school experience. I, you know, I didn't do the sort of the atelier style. You know, yeah. the uh, the pigments that go into these paints and you know, sort of the history of the pigments and blah blah. Didn't do that. It's very much uh, sort of a, a trial and error thing of just yeah that works that doesn't really work and just building it up from there and yeah so these are just the colors that happen i think to help me to solve the most problems with the fewest variables i suppose uh, to keep things simple which is always a sort of a, the mantra i suppose that i try to take into my work generally is simplicity and how am i physically going to do that so the use of color um, the fewer colours I have available to me to create the most options, I think, will hopefully make me an under understand colour. Do you ever understand it? Whatever understanding means, but to be better at it. Um, and then the application, which is, you know, normally just done with one brush for any painting. Um, simple, basically. Try to keep it simple so that I'm not worrying or thinking too much about the actual materials that I'm using and where I am with them, but rather just the actual process of, of yeah. looking and then, you know, applying and um, and making judgments i suppose so one brush did you say pretty much yeah mm. is it a flat brush or a round which is it a brush is it yeah which which shape do you go for um so it would be relatively flat so you know your ink mm. um or, or a slight what i call filbert which is just mm. slightly rounded never a pointed one um because that gives me you know big marks and i don't know what size it is because i don't know never understood the sizing of brushes i never really looked at it but i could talk about you know how wide they are so mm -hmm. if for example i were to do a i tend to work in inches actually for painting nothing else but if i were to do say a 10 inch high painting the brush might be an inch wide or whatever um and then if i were to do a you know a, a 50 inch high painting the, the brush would be you know five inches so i try and retain that ratio so it goes up and down according to the size and if you were to you know, if you were to take a photograph of a large painting of mine and a small painting, chop away the, the context, the human scale, put them next to each other, hopefully you wouldn't be able to really know or discern which, which, which was small because the mark making would be 
you know, relatively consistent. But of course, getting the amount of paint on that bigger brush to replicate that is is exponentially uh, is exponentially difficult. Mm. Um, but you know, doable, and that's something that I'm always looking for in my own work is how am I going to really slap it on and keep it just just under control on a larger scale. It's difficult, isn't it? Because yeah, it, it's just something about about that you know putting the paint out onto the palette if you're doing a big painting, helping to squeeze out. You know. Everything is the exponentially physical. Um, just everything goes up in mm -hmm. terms of magnitude. You know, the amount of paint, the amount of whatever you use, thinner, the size mm -hmm. of your palette, and the amount of energy and concentration and getting up and getting back from your painting because it's so bloody massive, you can't see the wood from the green. So, you know, it's not it's not necessarily 10 times the amount of work. It, it's, it, it's mm -hmm. much, it's, it can be more than that. Um, yeah. But there is the challenge, right? And these are the challenges that I find yeah. Um, yeah. quite exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Great. The palette that but, you just discussed, I'm, I'm just wondering whether that is ever needing to shift at all when you paint in different countries or, or things like that. You know, like if you ever needed to kind of say, I work with this palette, but this has a certain range, and now I'm considering a different landscape or a, a different time or... You know, um, I have worked, I, I generally do my painting in the UK. So if I'm doing one of these big projects abroad, it's, as I've already alluded to, it's it's a research trip. I, I would take a photograph, literally just a photo on my phone mm. uh, of that person, do an audio interview, and then, you know, back to the studio and interpret the photo, play the audio interview in the background, takes me back into the moment. Um, so I'm producing the work here. I, but I do, but yeah, no, I have worked abroad, obviously, with with this palette, and it seems to be all right. Yeah. Um, you know, I've never really thought about that, actually, uh, Simon. Uh, but something I shall do. But no, it's, it, it, I think I think so far it has facilitated me to work in different sort of lighting environments with different visual uh, stimuli. Yeah, and you can get. I mean, out of that palette, the range of mixes and colors it's just I, think I, can. I mean you know look at the end of the day we Richard we're all you know we're all working you know plowing our own individual little furrows aren't we we're not doing sort of quantitative testing of our process mm. because of other artists you know we're not in a big warehouse saying well my palette can do this yours can't do that <laughs> um my palette's bigger than yours um but it may very well be that I'm sure that there's a deficit in a certain area that I don't know about, or that you know, some the color that somebody else uses is more apposite for a certain job than what I'm doing. But it's that's not the real world, is it? And at the yeah. moment, to my for my own sensibilities and the way I read the information around me, what I have on my palette allows me to do that. I think, yeah. Always oil paint in the upper mediums. It's always oil. Yeah, I'm. I'm yeah. I'm hamstrung by oil, unfortunately. Wow. Um, I rather like it. And I, um, yeah, I don't think that I have the bandwidth to try anything else mm -hmm. at the moment. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, yeah. I'm using the practice. I feel that it would sort of, yeah, kind of <clears throat> potentially mm. dilute me a little bit. Um, mm. I'm sure it would enrich me as well, actually, and probably take me off in a different direction. But at the moment, I'm very, uh, very preoccupied with oil paint. Um, it, it's interesting. I so I paint oil and gouache. They're my they're, they're my main uh, things. Um, but I bought some casein the other day, which is 
milk-based paint, a very old paint. And um, I went into Norwich Art Shop and I bought it. And I'd read it's similar similar to gouache. And I've been basically learning how to use gouache for, for about a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and I bought this casein and I thought, I'm just going to go straight in. To, to, but I realised how I'd probably have to spend another year and a half, two years learning that. So you open it, you've opened a can of worms and you're like, oh. <laughs> God, really? Do I have to do yeah, it, exactly. I, I mean, I'm. It's very funny with gouache because I, I, I picked it up as a, just a secondary medium because I didn't have a studio at the time and was sitting indoors a lot. So I thought I'd use it. And I always liked the colour of it. And it's funny since I've been using that, I've become more successful in many ways as an artist. Um, and a lot of my teaching opportunities. Um, have come from gouache because it's not a regular medium. So, and I kind of use it like I'm using oil paint. Um, so it's a unique thing. But I opened this casing up, and it started. It went well to start with the first painting, and then it's started to realise the limitations of the medium. And I'm regretting it now. It's like you sort of balancing two things in one hand, oil yeah. paint. Yeah. Put another on there, just yeah. It's like you've opened a Pandora's box, and it's like, yeah, you've got to see it through. But you know, you don't mm. want it. But yeah, mm. and also it's probably gone off by now, hasn't it? It's milk. Yeah, but it smells weird. It's a very. It it's, it's by um, uh, was it Sheba Richardson? Um, right. It smells not like milk. It smells like kind of polish. It's very weird. Very weird. Okay. Yeah, but I'll I'll persevere a little bit until I. You report. You report back. Yeah, well, good, good. I mean, good on you for you know, good on yeah. you for doing it. You're a braver man than I am. Um, mm. Yeah. So no, I. But your style, you see that impasto, that brushwork. I mean, there's no other medium. I mean, people say you know, if you tried acrylic, but no, you cannot get those effects that you're getting with any other medium. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I haven't painted with acrylic for a very very long time. I didn't no. art school and, and before that. And, you know, I would paint relatively thickly with it, but it didn't allow me to sort of plasticity. It just wasn't there in quite the same way. And it, once it dries, it, it obviously it dries very quickly. So, which, you know, I've got to say, I don't mind because I work very quickly. So in a way that would force my hand. So it's not bad. But I just think it, the, the finish on it, it just ends up without quite the same luster, without quite the same vitality, I suppose. Mm. Um, I always think it's like... Um... You know, because I experimented with acrylic too in the past, and I was sort of sort of like, you've got original Coca Cola full of sugar, that's oil, and then you've got Diet Coke, right, which is kind of tastes similar, but it just has a sort of emptier taste to it. And I always think that oil is the juiciest. What's, you know, what's, Coke, what's Coke Zero then? Oh God, a casein. Yeah, but I think. You know, with you, you've, you've taken oil and you've mastered it. It's your medium. Well, I mean, I, you know, like, I, you know, I, I take I take issue with you saying I've mastered it. I, I, yeah, I, as much as we can master it. But but you know, I I have I've used it exclusively, and yeah. I, I think I'm as I say, I'm probably slightly hamstrung by it because I struggle to do anything else. But I still, I think the point is, I still see the. The potential in it, I still feel the excitement from it, and I think that once I don't, if that happens, then yeah, then that's time to look to look elsewhere and to try something different. But but at the moment, I'm not going to do that just for the 
for the for the sake for the sake of it, um, because I'm yeah still very as I say very absorbed with it, um, and all of its foibles and all of its pitfalls and opportunities. Good, cool. This episode will go up on Wednesday the fifteenth. So, is there anything that you have coming up that is worth telling the uh, audience about? You know, any kind of exhibitions or anywhere you'd like people to go to support you and help with really, uh, income. I, Simon, I really wish I could say that, you know, that I, I have a lot of exhibitions coming up, etc. But, you know, obviously in the in, in trying to build this project that that's taking my focus and mm. I'm not really sort of doing much other exhibitions. I mean, that listen, that's not entirely true. I've got I've got work in the, the Royal Institute of Oil Painters annual exhibition um, at the Mal Galleries, which uh, starts at the end of um at the end of this month and runs through till mid December. I've got a couple of pieces in that. Um, but that aside, um, no, I haven't actually. And uh, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> Sorry, I was like, <laughs> I haven't. Because I normally have around this time of year, but it's almost sort of like quite, I'd be quite blinkered about what I'm doing. Um, one thing I should, or I will mention, which is not actually, you know, an exhibition at all, but I've, I've, I'm going on a work trip uh, to China um in the very beginning of january i've been invited uh, as a sort of a, a sort of cultural arts person sort yeah, of yeah to, to go out and uh divest my knowledge to um arts institutions in, in beijing um and you know the art school system there and to go to galleries and sort of i suppose build um you know collaborative ties um mm. arts wise with with beijing uh, with with chinese institutions um and that's and that's really good because actually there's a hell of a lot of really really good painting going on in in both places like China and you know places like Russia actually you know mm. Repin Academy in in, um, yeah. in in Petersburg or in Moscow I can't remember so, but, you yeah. know is it yeah I mean it's like fantastic and it's the same with Beijing the the, the principles of a really mm. good painting and they're very keen to um, to sort of build. Um, build their knowledge, I suppose, of, of what's happening in, in the UK and, and Europe, especially, UK especially. So that's going to be um, it's just a week's trip and I'm taking my uh, my young family with me. Um, oh, fantastic. It's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. freezing though, because we've got minus 15. Uh, <laughs> Beijing in the winter is no joke, but um, yeah, it should be really, really interesting. So yeah, so that's what I'm doing at the beginning of January, but no actual exhibitions, but um, for say the online audience then, because we'll have international viewers, where can they support you and look at your work in order to make a purchase and, and view your work? Where would yeah, you well, so I mean, I think, so this is something I did um, last year, um, was to actually turn my website into a, into a, into a selling platform, which I hadn't done before. Um, and I, it, it's now, you know, it's, it's live and there's a, a selling facility on there. So you just go to the um, the shop page on my website at www.timbenson.co.uk um, and it's subdivided into categories so um, people places still life that sort of thing um, and yeah certain works are for sale on there so if you are interested then that's I think the, the you know the most direct way of doing things and you sort of cut out cut out the middleman as it were in galleries and um, by the way just to be just for transparency say it doesn't matter where you buy my work the price is the same whether it's a gallery or on my website you don't get a special deal on my website you know it's just, it is what it is but um you get more if you want 100 percent, if you want the artist to get the uh to get the, the money yeah. 
that's the best way to do it so excellent and they should visit your instagram otherwise because you have a great and yeah my, my instagram at tim benson art at tim benson art um and that's the same on the on x sorry sorry twitter sorry x um yeah are also, those are good ways are you on uh threads right? i am on threads by virtue of me being on instagram um, yeah. and i'm still quite sure what the point of threads is but yeah um mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm on it uh, whatever that means um yeah so these are these are these are ways of um of connecting and uh, and seeing work yeah well the links for all that will be in the description of this video so yeah. i encourage everyone to go and check out your platforms and, and then obviously the you know the longer game the the you know this is hopefully the big the big sort of exhibition or events surrounding the project um as and when that will be something to keep an eye on as well and we'll have to get you back on yeah, well, that 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 will be something to talk about because there should be a lot of um, interesting things happening there. So, yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, incredibly generous with your time. Thank you. Oh, very much. It's a pleasure. It's always it's always lovely to to meet you, Richard. And obviously, yeah, it's really nice to to see you again, Simon. It's always nice talking with you. So, um, yeah, good luck with it all. I I think the, I think it's fantastic. Um, and good luck with the future. Uh, you know, future guests and. Um, very, 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 very big thank you to everybody. Thank you.